Welcome to Leader Life, a chat with our principal. Welcome to Leaderline. We're so glad that you could join us today. Our guest today is Miss Faith Herrick, and she is our instructional technology specialist. Welcome, Faith. Thanks. It's happy to be here. I'm so glad you're joining us. Can you, um, just for the listeners out there, tell us a little bit about what an ITS does in a school? Um, in Forsyth County, our role is a little bit different than ITS is in um, other districts, okay. but here in Forsyth County, we really focus on instruction mm-hmm. and um guiding teachers to enhance their lessons using technology to allow for uh, creation and just higher level thinking for students okay. to apply their skills. Yeah. Well, and you're very good at it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so what do you think, uh, just in your time, we've been here together at Vickery for about seven years now, think, right? Yeah, I think this is my sixth. Yeah, Yeah, about six or seven years. So what, what have you seen in terms of the changes with students related to technology? It, like, because you taught, you were in the classroom prior mm-hmm. to coming to the ITS role. So just in your tenure as an educator, what have you seen in terms of the changing role of technology? Well, um, this year it's been really, really, really obvious how familiar children are with technology before they even come in our building. Really? Previously, kindergartners, it usually took us a solid five five to seven days to get them to be able to log into computers. Okay. This year we have students that within the first seven days are completely able to log on independently without any assistance or guidance from a teacher. Uh-huh. And most of them have pretty much figured it out on their own. Even at the kindergarten level? It, uh, more than any other year. Really? It's been unbelievable in every single kindergarten class. What do you see just in terms of like an overarching um, view of how tech savvy kids are? Um, I think it's, you know, from the staff point of view, mm-hmm. it's kind of scary. Yeah. Because you like to, as the teacher, you like to know more. Ah. But. Do we? We don't. <laughs> right. You know, and there's a new generation that they're talking about. Um, and it's my generation that remembers not having technology, but also kind of grew up with it. Okay. So we're comfortable enough with not having it, but also we do kind of depend on it. Mm-hmm. But this group of children coming up is a group of children that has never lived a life without touch screens and everything at their fingertips. I mean, you're right. I've never even considered just, just the whole touch screen technology. Um, the children that we're having in school have never lived without it. Yeah, I have said it's not a touch screen about 9,000 times in the last two weeks. Really? Yeah. They oh, don't, my gosh. They just don't know, and they think they can touch it just like an iPad or, uh-huh. you know, I mean, even, you know, you and I, our laptops are touch screen. Right. So most kids, and we are getting some touchscreen Chromebooks from the county, but Mm -hmm. for right now, they have to know how to use a mouse pad, and it's difficult for some of them. Right. Well, it's been so interesting to me just in education, uh, honestly, not that I think I'm that old, but I feel like I've been doing this for a while, and just the use of technology from the professional perspective, um, golly, when I was teaching... We didn't, We it was not, I mean, you had to put your stuff in an Excel spreadsheet, basically, and then you could sort it and maybe maybe come up with some good math groups. Well, I remember way. my first year of teaching 18 years ago that it was a expectation that you checked your email once a week. Oh, wow. Can you even imagine that? No. I would have so many emails. What a gift. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like, just in the time of me starting teaching, We've gone from, that is our mode of communication. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime mm-hmm. you need to communicate with somebody in the building, you send them an email. It's true. Wow. Well, so here's the thing. I think 
I'll tell you that I struggle with both as a principal and as a parent, mm -hmm. okay? So, not, I mean, my kids are a little older now, so as a parent, I don't, I feel like my kids have had the opportunity to kind of adjust to how to effectively use technology as part of their educational experience. Mm -hmm. Now, am I going to tell you that they're always doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing? <laughs> Probably not, but... I, I do think that it is a particular challenge for parents, mm -hmm. one, at, like at an elementary school level, to have your child be responsible for just, mm -hmm. just basic responsibility for a device, because they're not cheap, right. um, basic responsibility for a device, and then also how to use it, help children use it in a way that is enhancing their instruction and their education and not a distraction to that. Well, and as a parent, um, I have a 15-year-old, and recently uh, we discovered some poor choices that he has made mm -hmm. online. And um, in, I'm a co-parent with his mm -hmm. biological mother, and she and I discuss that the hardest thing to teach kids in this day and age is moderation. This is a great, that's a great topic. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just moderation of technology. It's moderation of this is too much of a sport. Of anything. Or, right, this is too, I've had two sodas mm -hmm. today, I don't need another. Right. Or, you know, I mean, and this, I think some of the technology age where everything is at their fingertips, we lack that right. idea of moderation what for an, children. What an interesting perspective on that, honestly. Um, and, and I think probably very positive because... Uh, my husband and I struggle with screen time and how mm -hmm. much is too much for your kids. You know, if you're reading a lot of the research out there, um, there's clear evidence that screen time is can do, too much screen time can do damage right. to a developing brain. Um, we're definitely seeing issues in terms of the social fabric of communities yeah. and kids' abilities to cope. Also, if you are a game designer, you're pretty smart about neuroscience mm -hmm. and you're programming those games so that from a neurological perspective, kids right. are getting a payoff over and over and over mm -hmm. again. So um, it's interesting because, you know, we've had this discussion at home about how do you limit that. And, and I like what you said because we've always made it about technology. And, and so it's, it makes it seem like we believe in technology is inherently negative. Right. And so our kids push back against that. You know, they're like, well, what, what's wrong with the Xbox? And you're on your phone all the time. Right. And why does dad have to use a laptop for work? And why is the TV on? So it's interesting when you speak about moderation, um, seems like just a healthier way to approach the whole thing. I okay. wish I had thought of that. I mean, you know, it, and it's a way... You know, we've been talking about proactive in the month of August, and yeah. I know this probably won't go out till September, but, you know, I mean, you have to be proactive about your health, mm -hmm. and moderation in everything is what's healthy. It's a much, much bigger mindset than just trying to limit technology. Yeah. Um, what I'm curious, just from your perspective and your knowledge base, both as a mother and as a professional, um, I think one of the things that parents struggle with out there is how to really follow up on what it is their kids are doing mm -hmm. on technology. And if I'm really honest, I struggle with that also. Um, gosh, I mean, they're so smart and so savvy, and they have much more access, I think, than we think they do. Right. So what are some strategies that you have or you've seen that work for kind of staying on top of those things as a parent? Well, and parents have a lot of choices now. I okay. mean, this has been... Uh, it was more of a problem in the past. I think now there's almost a wealth of options. Okay. If you are, um, you know, a, I guess what we would 
characterized as like a helicopter parent and you really want to know every single thing that is happening on a device, there are quite a few systems out there that will let you record every keystroke. Every keystroke. Every Snapchat, every Instagram post, every text, everything. Okay. You know I I have an 18-year-old. If I I tried to keep up with that, it would be a full-time job. And I, as a mom, you know, um, I think about myself as a child, Mm -hmm. and I feel like I had to make a couple of those mistakes on my own so I could learn from them. Oh, I, I understand that. So as a mom, I choose not to know every keystroke. Okay. But I do check up. Okay. Um, I, and I'll tell you honestly, the best thing you can do is, if you're not savvy enough to figure out the apps, mm-hmm. is uh, just say, hand me your phone. Mm-hmm. And if you, uh, most of them have iPhones. If you do two clicks on the home screen, mm-hmm. you can scroll through and see everything that's been open. Right then. You can also check their battery life. What Mm -hmm. is using the most of their battery? That's usually what they're on the most. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, There's also a lot of like, you know, if you've updated your iPhone, now they give you a weekly usage report. I get that report, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, my son, he, like, his is majority games. Mm -hmm. My daughter's the opposite. Hers is majority of internet usage. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean... uh, I kind of keep an eye on those things. There's also ways now, like I know for my uh, internet provider, I can turn off their data on their phones at a certain time at night. Right, which is probably very helpful. Mm-hmm. We we have had those issues with um, sleep. Yeah. For sure. Because, and I get it. I mean, I, in some ways I'm similar. If there's something I'm watching on Netflix or whatever, just one more episode. Right. You know, yeah, I, I it's get easy. It. I, it's really easy. We have to have moderation though. <laughs> it's true. Because <laughs> I'm not very good without too much, without enough sleep. Um, you know, I, I do think it is a constant challenge and I do think, um, you know, we have a couple of, we have some events coming up this um, year, actually all year. On Wednesday evenings, the mm-hmm. um, community connect sessions where right. parents can get together and talk about these things. And we do have a couple of times. Uh, one is on, I think it's the screening of the movie Screenagers. Mm-hmm, I've heard of this. Yeah, and really a look at um, screen time and what that's doing to our kids. And then another one really on some internet safety protocols and things like that where, um, you know, sometimes I think this is an evolving oh, definitely. situation. Yeah. And building networks of parents. Uh, I feel like I learned more from you. I literally just learned about the two clicks <laughs> on the um, home button of yeah. the iPhone, which I own and don't know about. Um, I think we learn more from each other in that way. And that's the only way I feel like we're going to be able to keep up. Well, and I think that the biggest thing to remember when you're talking about parenting your children involving technology is no matter what you think your kids don't know, don't not check. Uh-huh. Because... It's there, and it may be that they're afraid to ask questions about it or whatever, but if you just not ever check, Mm -hmm. that's where kids get into trouble. Yeah, I can see that. And so I think the best thing is at least monitor it in some way, shape, or form. Sure. Even if you sit next to your kid and say, can you, you know, go? can we look at every single app on your phone? Mm -hmm. And and what is it? Sitting in that presence. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a deterrent because I can tell you right now that my child would never, ever want to sit next to me and go through everything. So it might make them think twice about, oh, if I have to sit next to my mom and show her this. Um, Well, and the important thing is don't give them any time to fix it. To fix it. If you say we're meeting this afternoon. Yeah, it's all gone. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, Hey, let's switch gears just a little bit and talk about how a school system deals with these types of things. Because... um, you know, I, I do think there are so many options when it comes to technology. We mm-hmm. are utilizing them so much in the classroom. In fact, 
you know, it's kind of funny to me. I, I chuckle on the days when, you know, we come into work and the kids are starting to come in and our Wi-Fi network is down. Yeah, or it's mass hysteria. It, it, it is. <laughs> on all parts. All, all of these adults were like, holy cow, somehow we used to function without this, but I literally don't know what we're going to do today. Well, and now our phones don't work if it's not, there's everything. no internet. It's everything. Right, it's everything. So um, I do think we are in a place where, of course, this is all integrated into teaching and learning. And mm-hmm. I do think our kids, honestly, if we're going to keep them engaged, Technology is a platform that is, it is their platform. It is. It really is. It's their preference for a lot of Correct. Them. And it does, it's not everything, but it is important. And mm-hmm. so I think one of the things that we struggle with over and over is in the classroom, right? Um, how is it that you are keeping kids from getting distracted? Or how are we keeping them from getting access to things they shouldn't have access to? Um, how is it that we can really monitor what it is that they're doing and how effectively they're using it without invading their privacy. Right. Um, and I and I I learned about uh, this summer at our Forsyth Leadership Retreat about the NetRef, mm-hmm. I think it's called. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know they're getting ready to roll that out in elementary schools. I think it's actually already rolling out Certain in the pilot schools. schools. And, okay. Uh-huh. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, there's a... Three schools that piloted it last spring. Okay. And what's the name um, again? Is it NetRef? It's NetRef. Okay. Uh-huh. And it's going to be rolled out district wide. They they up the number to I think ten total schools that started the year with it. Okay. To kind of get all the bugs out. Sure. And then they're going to apply it to everybody. But okay. the idea on NetRef is that when you come into our building, we're trying to keep things as safe as possible for our children. As well, we should. I mean, that's, you know, we've added the double entry into the room, right. into the into building. The building. Mm-hmm. That's the same idea for our network. Okay. So when someone comes on uh, the property and tries to access our Wi-Fi for BYOT, they will now um, kind of sign in. You can have a guest sign in. You can have a student sign in. Um, but you can also have a uh, faculty sign in. And then this is going to allow... S- Students, faculty, guests to only have access to certain levels of sites. Okay. So teachers, of course, would have wider access than students would, okay. things like that. Okay. But um, just like right now for BYOT, everything is blocked for everybody, essentially. Uh-huh. We can't get on any social media here at school as long as you're on BYOT. All of those kinds of things are blocked. Right. But this will change a little bit. The best part about it is that it's customizable for a teacher's classroom. I think that's the part that yeah. really piqued my interest when I saw it, too. Um, can you talk a little bit about yeah. more more about what that really means? Well, and the big thing that the district wants us to make sure that we know is that we are the district is in no way monitoring any personal usage of a device. No, it's it's right. on BYOT right. only when you're in the classroom, yes. right? Okay. Um, and it's only essentially like your internet usage or your apps usage, not... Uh-huh text messages or phone calls or any of that kind of stuff. None of that will have access. But a teacher can click on a student's device and see the last three things they had open on their device. Ah. Um, And then also you can turn off internet for your classroom. Yeah, I thought I saw that. And and if I understood it correctly, and I might not have, it almost looked like if you were working on a particular lesson, you could actually pre-select several sites that would be appropriate for kids to go to during mm-hmm. the, during that lesson block. Right. And and literally during that time when kids access the BYOT network in the classroom during that block, those were the only sites that were accessible. Right. Is that correct? Yes. And then it goes period to period. Like it right. ends that those um, 
I don't know, I just call them gates in my mind. Right, yeah. That ends at the end of the class period. Well, okay. and teachers have the freedom. They can leave it open so that it's just the county firewalls like it is right now. Correct, okay. But if they have a specific student that's struggling with a certain distraction, they can eliminate that website for just that student. Okay. Um, they can eliminate internet for just that student. Mm -hmm. I really like it from the testing point of view because we use a school city testing yes. administration. Mm -hmm. And right now, if a student really wanted to, they could go to a website and search for something. And then come back on school study. And then study. come back and finish their test. Sure. Um, and if they're giving a test, they could make it so school city is the only thing they can access online. Sure, that makes sense. And then it's just kind of increasing some of that test security. Mm -hmm. um, but really, honestly, it's just keeping our kids safer. Yeah, I agree. And, and on task. Yes, and I mean, truthfully, as we continue to move forward with more technology integration in schools as that moves forward, I do think we have to be really careful about what our kids have access to and when. Um, they, they don't come here to play Minecraft, really. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and you know, it's, it, it's hard for them because some of them, that is their extracurricular activity. Truly. Yeah. Yes. So, um, and, you know, there's a lot of studies that show boredom creates such amazing brain activity in mm -hmm. students mm -hmm. and children in general. And, you know, I'm a huge proponent of technology, but I also think maybe they need a few minutes off of it. Yeah, I agree. I get that. So, um, you know, and the other piece of it that we're really trying to eliminate here in the elementary school is the social media. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, because we have kids that even at young ages, they are getting social media accounts, mm -hmm. which is... They're, they have to be 13 to get an account, but... Yeah, but they just click the button and say they're 13. Right. Or they, you know, change the the year on their birthday. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes parents have approved it. And, right. And um, that is their prerogative. Sure. Absolutely. But, but it's interesting, um, and this is just my perspective as a principal, um, you don't have to often have enough social practice or maturity... Um, to understand some of the things that happen on social media. Oh, I yeah, find definitely. that people, um, even as an adult, I find that oftentimes what's on social media or, or even what people would um, text or type, they'll never say. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, and I do think that's a little bit of a struggle for our, for our children because they're just... Um, they're just not mature enough to, and haven't had enough experience processing those things from a social perspective. Well, and our district actually uh, just a couple days ago posted on our Facebook site mm -hmm. about some cyberbullying. It's a huge problem. It is. It's a it's a big problem, and and it's um I'm very surprised at how it has slowly drifted down into the younger grades. Oh, I think we see it as early as third grade. Yeah. Without question. But but the cyberbullying that we're seeing is happening through social media sites. Oh, yeah. It's well, not happening through um, the resources that we use no. for the classrooms at all. Uh, this is um, the kids have their own accounts on whatever it is, Instagram yeah. or TikTok, TikTok or yeah. Musical.ly or whatever, um, which they're really not old enough to have, but well, somehow and they have it. I have run into instances of it that is occurring just over group text. Mm. Oh, group text. Okay. And, you know, it's it's little things that kids don't realize mm -hmm. that, that those choices that they're making are affecting others. Mm -hmm. Because there is a little bit of courage that comes from being from behind a screen. Sure it is. But the interesting part is I think, you know, the more both as educators and as parents, the more we can be involved in what our kids are doing in the technology world, the better coaching oh, we can offer them. Yeah. Because I do think... 
I do think the types of things that you're talking about, the bullying, um, they've they've always existed, but they didn't exist in that platform. Right. And so, um, you know, you have to be able to coach your kids through those things because I think it's it. Uh, there's a lot of coaching and a lot of conversation that needs to happen around those things. So yeah, I think it's really important for us as teachers and as parents to be plugged in and cued into what it is that our kids are doing for sure. Well, and I try to talk to teachers about, you know, a lot of times they want to talk about, um, you know, they don't want to allow a device in their room because they can be distracted by a text message or they're texting their parents or whatever during the um, class period. But I usually relate it to, you know, if you can give them an electronic version of what we did as kids, Mm -hmm. you know, like, well, they're texting each other in class. What, what happened in your room when you were a kid and you passed notes? Well, I passed a note. Yeah. Right. I mean, I never passed a note. No, we didn't. We were the good kids. We did not. Somebody might have passed a note to me. Maybe, but and it was folded all pretty and nice. But um, you know, now it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. So it seems worse because it's technology, but it's really just passing a note. And it's part of growing up. And it's just a it's just a matter of being engaged and involved, so we can help coach around those things. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, I'm course. so excited to learn more as we uh, embark on this new NetRev here at the school. I'm excited. And also have a couple of parent sessions coming up this year, really about um, just kind of putting our heads together about how we can best serve our kids around yeah, definitely. Um, dealing with technology and growing up in the digital age because it's different than the childhood that we had. Definitely, very much so. I hope that our listeners will get to join us. We have another podcast coming up um, in about a month about grading and reporting and why we report grades the way we do kind of what those things mean and, and how they how schools use them to design instruction. And then another one coming up not too far out about culture, building culture in classrooms. I think that's going to be a bonus episode. A bonus episode, yeah. Yes. Um, just building relationships and culture in your classroom with your kids and parents and the larger community. Awesome. So thanks so much for joining us. See you soon. All right. Next week, look for our bonus episode on class culture. Episode 3 will be released in October and will focus on grading and reporting. Follow us on whatever podcast hosting site you're listening on to receive notifications when episodes are released.